Galaxy Lights, Coachella, Lightning Bolt Necklaces. Did you catch all the Scandal clues? Last March, one cheating scandal launched a reality TV investigation that generated hundreds of conspiracy theories, thousands of podcast episodes, and millions of dollars in revenue. I'm Jody Walker, host of An American Scandal. Ahead of the Vanderpump Rules premiere, relive the pop culture phenomenon that rocked a reality nation. Starting January 23rd on Ringer Dish. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time and the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Corbett. And it is Championship Weekend. Really, it's Championship Sunday. We talked last weekend how I think Divisional Football Round is the best weekend of football all year. I actually think, I don't know if this is a hot take or very obvious thing. I think Championship Sunday is the best day of football for the season. Or at least the second half. I know the first Sunday with Red Zone's awesome, but I'm curious, Craig, you can start like, is this like your favorite Sunday of the season? Yeah, I like it because of the timing of the games. I like that it's it's smushed together. It's it's at noon and three thirty. They're prepping you for and Super your Bowl three thirty. Specific time. It's at yeah. Noon. My fa- it's like I can, now I can experience what East Coasters get without having to deal with the late night, where it's like I can get up, I can have a morning, I can go to breakfast, I can exercise, or whatever. Noon game, another one right after it at three thirty. You're done by six thirty. It's the four best teams in the league playing within seven hours. I love it. There's also just this epicness to it. I, I was actually thinking about when the Giants were in the championship game. There's a certain surrealness. Like, honestly, it's not the like a thing with the Lions in particular. Lions fans winning a playoffs game is crazy. It's it, it's kind of like a wedding if it's your team, where it's like my brother got married last year. And it's like, I know my brother's getting married. I'm not surprised. It's on my calendar. It's but it's kind of just like an idea. Then you like show up a few days before and you're like at the venue and they're putting chairs. And I'm like, oh, like. This is real. Like my brother's yeah, getting married. This is really like, happening. Wait till your own wedding, Daniel. It's 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 surreal. <laughs> Dude, yeah. But like DK, I'm curious. Like yeah. the Seahawks obviously had a lot of playoff runs and you know Super Bowl appearances, championship games. But like, you know what I mean? Where it's like your team hasn't. Like I believe the Seahawks had not made a Super Bowl right until Pete Carroll. Or no, they no, lost they one. Of the made, they lost to Craig Steelers one year. But like, yeah, sorry, right? But yeah, thanks for bringing it, it up. There's a certain great game. <laughs> Shout out Antoine Randall L. Shout out refs. Dude. Shout out Andrew Yeah. Well, that's because <laughs> hatred of refs started that. Actually, that might be like the subconscious reason. Yeah, I hate just, them that's so your much. origin story? Yeah. <laughs> but DK, you know what I'm saying? Where it's I was like, molded in it. I was born in it. But especially for Lions fans, it's like, this is the only, this is real. This is real. Like, you might go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think it is. There is something to that. Um, I'm, like, when I go back and remember 
the Seahawks era, like where they were really, really good for like that four or five year period, the elation, I almost want to say the elation over winning. Okay. That first one, especially when they beat the 49ers in like a great game to go to the Super Bowl. I think the elation of winning that game was actually greater than winning the Super Bowl. The the next, I think that's two weeks later. It's like, cause we're going to the Super Bowl is like such a cool feeling. I don't know why, like, I don't know why that would be any better than actually playing in the Super Bowl, but for some reason it was, it was like the most cool thing. I think, I, I don't, I think it's because it's funny. It's like the family guy joke. It's like, because it's because like, if you make it to the Super Bowl, then you could win the Super Bowl. And, and that is like almost <laughs> right. more exciting than winning the Super Bowl in the weirdest way. Cause it's like, there's still something ahead. So you can yes. like, there's yes. this look forward to dynamic that's added that actually like, like improves it. The experience. hundred yeah, percent. I mean, obviously winning the Super Bowl is great, but I, I do very vividly remember like the Seahawks won the NFC championship uh, against the 49ers and then the Packers. And both games were incredible. And the Packers game was like the most improbable comeback I've ever seen. And so like the elation following both of those games, I vividly remember, obviously I hated the Super Bowl after the Seahawks uh, beat the Packers, but um, I don't know. That was just like the coolest feeling. It, was, it, it almost overshadowed the actual Super Bowl. So um, I, I totally agree. I think the championship weekend is really fun. Like for the fan bases of the teams that win, it's so much fun. Because like, obviously, yeah, you get this like anticipation of the next two weeks being like, all about your team. You know what I mean? Like you're this, you're the main character. Totally. Yeah, you're the main character. It's, like, it's so weird. If you're not like the chiefs fans, you're so used to it. You're like celebrities. Like it's so normal for everyone to be talking about you all the time. The lions fans have no idea what this is like. They're like, you just talk, like, you're like the new celebrity. That's not used to it yet. <laughs> the glow up. Yeah. yeah I, it's ridiculous. But so we're going to break down these two games. Uh, first though, we're going to get to some head coaching news. A bunch of head coaching news has just broken. Um, we got to start. Jim Harbaugh is going to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. He's agreed to coach the Chargers. There are so many angles to this. Uh, I have so many thoughts, but Deke, I want to start with you. I, I feel like yeah. you kind of like subconsciously you hate refs because of the Seahawks Steelers Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Subconsciously dislike Jim Harbaugh because he was like the head coach of the 49ers during your most bitter rivalry with the Niners yes. Seahawks. But yeah, you also have the respect of like, what do you think Chargers fans should understand about Jim Harbaugh being the coach of the Chargers. I mean, I think he's a really, really good coach. Like he's proven that at both levels, obviously. Um, you know, he, I think, so we were talking about Matt LaFleur the other day being like the highest winning percentage of any active coach. It's now Harbaugh. He's back. He's back in the NFL. He has the highest winning percentage of any active coach, um, like one of the highest ever. And so I think that says a lot, obviously. Um, the reason he kind of got out of the NFL was I think just mainly because he got, he didn't get along with ownership of the 49ers at the time. Um, it wasn't because of like super poor performance or anything like that. And so, um, you know, obviously he, he went to the college game and won a championship. He's coming back here. He's had a couple chances to win Super Bowls here. He could be the fourth coach to do both going forward. I think obviously the whole foundation of having uh, Justin Herbert is really, really exciting. And I think he's, he's been known to be like really good, with every quarterback basically that he's been, been around um, in terms of like designing an offense and, and like massaging, massaging the scheme to like be good for them. Andrew Luck, right. He had Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you know, I guess I'll, I don't know about many of the Michigan quarterbacks he's worked with, but uh, at least in the NFL, I mean, he was a former court, former quarterback himself. You know, I think this is and the best insane. landing spot. Like an important part. We always say a quarterback has to believe in God or believe they are a God. Harbaugh believes he's a God. It is weird. <laughs> He might Sorry. be a god, honestly. <laughs> but, 
he actually might be the one guy. Him and Dan Campbell might actually be gods. But what I like about the Charger situation, I think it's the best landing spot. One, because you have, I mean, you have maybe one of the five best quarterbacks in the league and you're just walking into that. That is like incredibly rare, I feel like, that there's an open position to co-coach the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And two, I like that Harbaugh is a culture guy and he's stepping into a role that is, he's stepping into an organization that is kind of devoid of culture. And like, he can just truly build it up grassroots, like from Harbaugh. Like this, this whole organization will now be Harbaugh. It's not like you're stepping into New England where it's like the Belichick cloud is hanging over everything. Like there is nothing. This is a clean slate. That it's average Joe's. In. It's literally like Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen are just sitting there. Like I've found that if you don't have any goals, you can't <laughs> fail to reach them. You know, it's and I gotta I, tell I, you, it feels phenomenal. Yeah. It's like, that's the charge. Like if you don't expect to win. Yeah, I mean, he, he has a whole new facility that they're building for him, like uh, for the Chargers down in Southern California. Also, like, look, I I thought he should retire or stay in Michigan, but if you're going to go anywhere, Southern California, baby, with a lot of money, like, <laughs> live the dream, Jim. Okay, so there's so much to talk about with Harbaugh. I, I actually, there's also, we should just collect all the times everyone's talked themselves into the Chargers over the last 14 years because no one's going to do it together. I, I have to year. say, there's so much to talk about with Harbaugh. It's honestly hard to break down. And also, his brother might win this, make the Super Bowl. Like Jim Harbaugh just won a soup, like the championship in year college of Harbaugh. football. Every ten years is the year of Harbaugh. It's yeah. Like so, having said that, we just got to cut to the chase here. I just want to go through an incomplete list of various weird stories about Jim Harbaugh that, like, just to refresh everyone's memories. These are not incomplete. These are things I've learned. One, I want to start with. Uh, so you're doing half-assed internet research on Jim. Harbaugh. Yeah, half-assed internet research on Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Random things about Jim Harbaugh. And we're not even talking about that he was like a quarterback for the Chicago Bears and then the cult, like a whole other life. Uh, he's obsessed with Judge Judy to the point where he has <laughs> attended in person Judge Judy. Like there's a <laughs> meme of ju- like he's in the front row for an episode of Judge Judy. That's how much he loves the, the, the show. Uh, Weird. He puts Bizarre. he has put Gatorade in his cereal. Uh, this is his son, Jay Harbaugh, who's an assistant with the Wolverines. And I believe the star of the text with Connor Stallions. Uh, said, when I was a kid, we didn't have any milk for cereal. This is, uh, uh, I can't tell if his son, oh yeah, Jim Harbaugh said, we put, oh no, sorry, his son's telling the story. One time we didn't have any milk in the house. My dad put Gatorade in the cereal instead of milk. It was the weirdest thing I ever saw. Uh, it's kind of electric. What, what yeah. do you think is the best cereal for Gatorade? I was going to ask what flavor Gatorade is the best for cereal. Well, the Cheerios. cereal can really vary. Cheerios and blue Gatorade. Do you want to go, yeah, mild? Cheerios like, do you want to just go like cornflakes? Yeah. You know, like, so much sugar to be like Gatorade and Lucky cereal. Charms or something. Yeah. You want to go something bland, I guess. Maybe Dude, just like mi- mini wheats, not frosted. I was, just I was regular thinking that mini too, wheats. Craig. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, that's smart. Email us at Ring of <laughs> Fantasy Football. So full of Gatorade. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I know. Email us at Ring of Fantasy Football at gmail.com. If you it have, really makes uh, me want some mini wheats now. What cereals go with Gatorade? What Gatorades go with cereals? And also just. Also, you know, milk replacements for cereal. I'm very. If you, if you guys don't yeah. use milk, but you use anything else, let us know. I, I there's a there's a chef named Molly Baz. I think it's actually pronounced Boz that I really like. She used to work for Bon, uh, bon Appetit. She she salts her cereal, and I just started doing it because of her. Dude, it's there's a salt. lot of little tricks like that. No. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, it's like salt salt and caramel. salting chocolate chip cookies is the dope shit. Same idea though. It's I would not say the same thing about. But it's that, salt that on sounds sweet. Salt sugar fats. Salt sugar fats. The same idea. It's milk is the fat. The soy sugar, milk is good salt. though, Craig. If you're looking for a pro- replacement. No, I actually I, I'm a fan of cow's milk, but I want non-milk options. My that, that are funny. shock is that John is that Jim Harbaugh eats cereal because cereal like just pure sugar for breakfast is kind of like insane. Honestly, if you think about it, it's a very distinctly American weird thing. Anyway, <laughs> other Jim Harbaugh stories. Uh, there was an incredible story. I think it was from Nick Baumgartner at the Athletic. 
that Jim Harbaugh, he got married recently, like in the last five or six years, and he did a bachelor party. Flex. And then Jim Harbaugh's bachelor party, they went to play laser tag. And apparent and Jim Harbaugh, like like solo, like uh, what is it, like Warzone style, like just one v like, you know, no teams, like just anyone, whoever gets the most points wins. Jim Harbaugh won. And then the scoreboard comes up and you can see who played, like, how'd you get your points? Jim Harbaugh did not shoot any of the men on his bachelor party. There was a 10-year-old kid who got put in the arena with them. <laughs> no Jim Harbaugh way. got all of his points by hunting down the 10-year-old kid solely. <laughs> and he just spent all his, because he wanted to win. And all he did was stalk, like alien predator stalked the 10-year-old. Gotta be ruthless. Gotta be ruthless out here. Did not fight. No, I think that's zero a Zero scruples. All you do is win. All it's a real window into his win. mind. Yeah. Like, he's like, I, I don't want to fight my friends. It's like, here are the rules. And if I just hunt this kid, I will win. Wow. What a maniac. <laughs> he's a maniac. He's a, he's a, he actually normal. is a maniac. <laughs> if like, you don't believe in God or have some type of or like a religious thing and you're going to be an NFL quarterback and you're trying to like, I'm going to be the first pick of the draft, be a Hall of Famer. Like you have to have otherworldly self-confidence. Like, you know what I mean? So there you go. It's. Anyway, he, uh, Jim Harbaugh. Can't wait to have him back in our lives. Incredible. When he was with the 49ers back in the day, he always wore the exact same outfit every single day. And he got That's like real. a he got like a endorsement or something from I think it was like Dockers or something for his slacks. And it's just like he wore the exact same khakis and shirt every single day. And he's got like this little like thing on his neck, like a his pen. Obama after the tan suit debacle, when Obama wore a tan suit, he stopped he did the Harbaugh and he just stopped trying wearing the same suit every day, so he didn't have to think about it. But I get though. You have to make a lot of decisions. All right. So the Harbaugh, honestly, this is just, we win. We win this. Like just Harbaugh content being again, like, you know, the Harbaugh, Herbert versus Andy Reid, Mahomes, incredible. So uh, the other coaching stuff that just happened, uh, we were recording this at 5 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Raheem Morris, the uh, defensive coordinator for the LA Rams, was just hired to be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Big news for a lot of reasons. Uh, obviously, you know, primarily like, you know, Lack of diversity. Obviously, the head coaching ranks in the NFL do not represent the diversity of the amount of black players that are in the player pool. It's a huge issue. But also, just Raheem Morris had, I mean, about as much of a public endorsement. Like, Les Snead, the Rams GM, had like a, I think, a monologue, a three-minute monologue in his pre uh, season closing press conference that Raheem Morris deserves a head coaching look. But, Craig, you um, you spent some time with Raheem Morris just through producing the uh, Flying Coach podcast with Schrager and McVeigh. So I'm yeah. curious... Because everything they say about Raheem Morris is that he's like this magnet, like everyone loves playing for him. He's like this, uh, in addition to having all this knowledge, like he's just a, the epitome of a player's coach. Yes, well, he was on the episode with, so it was Mike Tomlin and Raheem Morris, they're friends because they coached together at Tampa Bay a long time ago, back in like the late 2000s um, in the secondary, I believe. But the Raheem Morris w was one of the more charismatic coaches that had come on the show that I had met and everybody adores him. Mike Tomlin and Sean McVay, who are also two of the most like charismatic, like culture guys who get it. And they both spoke so highly of Raheem Morris. He's hilarious. He had them like busting up the entire episode. One of those people that's just like very magnetic and uh, charismatic. So I'm, I'm happy for him. He was super nice to work with. Raheem Morris was like very famously the head coach of the Buccaneers really young. And we don't think of it this way, but like, you know, we always talk about how everyone wants the new thing. And there's a weird thing that coaches who get hired don't get hired again. And Raheem Morris was the coach of the Bucs. He was so, I think he was the youngest, I could be wrong. I think he was the youngest or second youngest coach ever before McVay was. It yeah, was like he was Tom 32, I think. He's 32. 47 now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah like, 15 years ago. He, yeah. He, 15 years ago, he's head coach and he's not 50 years old. That's crazy. So as much as it's like kind of insane that Sean McVay was running a team at 30, Raheem Morris was running a team at 32 and failed. And I do think there's something about the ego death of that, of going through being destroyed, like feeling like a failure and like really realistically looking at it, be like, I might never get a shot at this again. But Craig, you talk about how Greg Popovich with the Spurs, they want people who are like over themselves. And that, like, I think that there is something about like a, I don't know, being fired as a head coach at 33 years old. It's kind the of humility like a, that comes with it. It's like a, like a professional death experience based or like a near death experience for your career. And I think that, I, I think that there's something to be said about having 15 years as a pretty really successful coach after that, that, I don't know. It's funny that we only pick people who've never done the job before. As if you can't like do a job, do a bad job, have a decade and a half go by and be like, I know exactly how I do it now. Yeah. It really, it's like a getting hired and fired as a young NFL coach is like a maturity accelerator program. Like you just immediately be, it's like having a kid when you're young. Like it's just like, you just immediately become an adult now. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it's a great fit. I'm happy for him. Yeah. And then that kind of like Antonio Pierce with the Raiders, Austin Gale, who works with us here at the ringer, wrote a really good story about Antonio Pierce. But the point was basically a lot of these guys are culture guys, right? Like, you know, something works. People are like, let's copy that. It's like Dan Campbell, culture lions. Wow. You can just will. If you just be loud and drink enough caffeine, we could just like do this through sheer willpower. Antonio Pierce and hit on every single draft pick for four years. Yeah, just, <laughs> just do that. Just get all the picks right. You're like it's the. It's like why do you putt in golf? Just hit the hole in one. Right, it's way yeah. easier. So much easier. Uh, wait. So wait. Raheem Morris goes to the Falcons. Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick oh, yeah. going to have a job? This is like musical chairs, and there's two chairs left, and like five <laughs> coaches that are I will really- say. Vying for One, this job. Because there's two questions. Do you think that Belichick turned the Falcons? There was, he took a second interview, which again is kind of funny to think about. Do you think, Bel- do you think Belichick turned down the Falcons or the Falcons turned down Belichick? Uh, I mean, it seems more likely that the Falcons turned out Belichick, um, especially if he went to a second interview. I think there was also a report. This is something we joked about a couple of weeks ago. There was a, the report came out that if Belichick got a new job, he was going to have. Josh McDaniels be his OC and Matt Patricia be his defensive coordinator. And I'm wondering if the Falcons were like, uh, fuck that. I got to tell you though. I mean, Sorry, I old timer. But... I don't think so. <laughs> we might look somewhere else. This is not based on information. I, I'm just reading the tea leaves. Who does that benefit? Anyone trying to get that job? Like, it, like that's kind of something that frankly, like, someone might have leaked to be like... Yeah, but it's also extremely believable. Yeah, it's very believable. So here's the thing, though. I, it's kind of amazing that Belichick, functionally speaking, moved on from Tom Brady. I mean, Robert Kraft just said this in the story by Seth Wicker, Shane Amy Spann. He said, Tom couldn't play anymore. And like, Belichick, he's like any other player. Like, you move on a year too early rather than a year too late. And that's what's happening to Belichick. He's getting Belichick. It's like, everyone's like, he's literally the greatest coach wow. of our lifetime. He's <laughs> six Super Bowls. And everyone's like, I don't know, man. I don't really want to be left holding the bag here. And it's like Bill Belichick wouldn't hire Bill Belichick right now. And the same's happened to Pete Carroll. You've got how many Super Bowl appearances from the last 12 years, like between Carroll and Belichick? Is that six as a head coach? And they're just, no one wants to hire these guys. It's kind of wild. And they're like the oldest coaches in the league. I get it. But uh, the ageism is kind of amazing. It considering is, the yeah. resume. I think, I feel like there's some very weird, interesting dynamics with coaching hires. You know, obviously there's the race thing, but too, but there's also like a timing issue that happens at the end of the season. Like two of the biggest names in this coaching cycle right now, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions and Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator for the Ravens, 
they're still playing. They're still like game planning. So like the interview process is all kind of out of whack with those two guys. And so I I think like there's some of that happening here where some teams just want to like hire a guy and get it over with so they can get going on the draft stuff so they can get going with hiring and just like get the ball rolling. You know what I mean? Like this has been a problem for teams for a long time. Um, is like you fall behind if you even by like a week, you're like really far behind everybody else. And so uh, I, I think that's an, also just an interesting like wrinkle to this whole thing is like sometimes teams just want to really get get it like hurry up and get it done. And that's why we're seeing uh, right now, like I like to wrap it all up, like I still think there's a lot of good coaches out on the market right now. Like I think Pete Carroll, Belichick, Johnson and McDonald, all very good coaches. And it's weird that they're all still not hired. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that to me is like bizarre. Well, it's also insane to think that they're prepping to go to a Super Bowl and they have to do job interviews that they can't be hired yet. It's it's crazy how the process works. But well, and there's only it, two spots left to go through it. The Chargers found a guy. The Raiders have a coach now. The Patriots, the Titans have Brian Callahan. Yeah, right. Uh, we mentioned that Brian Callahan Cincinnati. went to the Titans. And then a man named Dave Canales is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> what is he funny? What is, well, and then, no, he's uh, really good looking. That's so, <laughs> so dude, he's hot. these two teams, it's Seattle and, and Washington. And it, it would be really funny if Seattle's just rehired Pete Carroll. <laughs> yeah. Or Bill Belichick it would be funny. But uh, is, are, are those going to be the, the two to, to, to drop? Are they going to wait for Ben Johnson? Like, are, are Belichick and Pete Carroll going to have jobs in 2024? Well, I think the, the big theme here is just that you, the team's trying to do like defense vibes. But those guys, and again, what Austin wrote was a great story that basically the defense, the, the coach, the defensive vibes coach needs a great coordinator. Here's a crazy stat. There's not a single offensive coordinator in the NFL who's been in the role uh, for more than two seasons. Yeah, Every single coordinator in the NFL, offensive coordinator in the NFL, the entire, all 32 teams has changed in the last two years because people are doing what the Panthers just did. You hire Dave Canales because he was the Bucks coordinator. He made Baker look good. They feel dumb because Baker looked bad in Carolina. So it's like Brian Callahan goes to the Titans. like, oh, we'll just buy this and your system's our system. We don't have to deal with coordinator changeover. And the challenge for Dan Campbell is if Ben Johnson for the Lions leaves, what's the offense look like? And so you got vibes with the defensive coaches who need a good coordinators. You got offensive coordinators who are good at offense, but like need to run a building. They've never done that. Or old guys. And yeah. Well, I think the, the real key... Or like I to me, the real goal is to find a guy like Andy Reid or Shanahan, where you have a brilliant offensive mind, or McVay. You have a brilliant offensive mind. He's the head coach, and you just keep him forever. It's like you can find you can find a new defensive coordinator, find a hot upcoming guy or whatever. You know, there's a lot of smart defensive defensive coordinators coming in, but like like we've talked about on multiple pods over the last few weeks, like offense is how you win. You know, like a, a cutting edge offense is really like the biggest way to win. And having a quarterback and pairing a quarterback with the, those offensive play callers is like the way that you guarantee, I think, like long term success. Yeah, it's the one downside of having a culture coach like a Dan Campbell is like a guy who doesn't call offensive plays is is every two years now. If the Lions continue to be good, you will have to keep finding new offensive coordinators that happened in Philadelphia. So that is a downside. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's can't say. Going to the games here, we got the Chiefs. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, they hired Andy Reid. It's like Happy Gilmore. Just just hire Andy Reid every time. Just, it's so much easier. Just put it in the I cup. Mean, yeah, and I'm not, like, the teams that are in the playoffs right now still are, have, like, three of them have really good defenses. So it's not like defense doesn't matter. I just think, like, stability long-term, year over year. Like, there's four pillars to a championship team that can continue. It's like the owner, the head coach, the quarterback, and the GM. And all of them have to be on the same page. And I think if you have 
a head coach and a, and a quarterback that are like really in sync, that's like Mahomes and Reed. Like that's really hard to be. That's like what, you know, Belichick and, and Brady were for so long. And if you look at the four teams, and again, we can get to these games now. So the four teams are the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Lions, and the 49ers. And if you look at it, you basically have three teams that can run the ball in Patrick Mahomes. Or as DK said, like, I don't know, three teams that can play really, really good defense. And then I don't know if I want to put the Lions in really, really good defense, but they have a no. really, really good offense. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. So we, we, let, let's start with Chiefs-Ravens here because this is pretty spectacular. The Chiefs are at Baltimore this weekend. The Ravens are three and a half point favorites. The betting market pre score prediction basically is that the Ravens will beat the Chiefs 24 to 20. That's basically like where the betting market is settled. Uh, I, Craig, last week we did the sphincter scale. And I think we need to go back to it. I think this is once again a pretty big time sphincter scale for the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think I, I agree, but I, I think it's lower on the sphincter scale. I don't think it's as. Uh, <laughs> was it last, it's how as many much. megatons was it last time? It was, I, oh God, f 5 million megatons? 5 billion? Can you explain the sphincter scale for people who are very it's confused? Just like right the Richter. Now? It's the Richter scale, which is the, the way in which we like measure the seismic energy created from a, an earthquake. But, uh, you know, in NFL terms, with your sphincter. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty cut and dry. So, uh, so I think last week, so last how week much are you panicking right now? It's really last week. I gave the Ravens, I think a six and a half. And I think it's only a five because look, if they had lost last week, it, it would have been truly a disaster. It would have been like CJ Stroud has more playoff wins than Lamar Jackson. He can't get the job done. He can't beat a, a team that snuck into the playoffs. Now it's like, all right, you lose to Patrick Mahomes in a close game. I'm not sure that like the fingers are going to be pointed at Lamar. He had a great game last week. So I, I think it's a little lower. I think it's like a five out of 10 on the sphincter scale. 
but it, it would just more be like a, a bummer if they couldn't do this. However, look, you're going up against the reigning champ and Mahomes. And I said this last week, and I think it, it, the trend continues. I can't believe how under-discussed it is that the Chiefs are reigning champs and how little of a target they have on their back. I, I mean, I, all three other teams are, are probably more discussed and more hyped than the Chiefs right now, yet they are the team coming off a Super Bowl win. That, that is really wild. Is it just fatigue or is it because they were bored. just not very good? I think it, well, it's like, well, they obviously had this, they're good, but you know what I mean? I think it's kind of both. I think they didn't have a great year. Kelsey was hurt. I don't, maybe we're sick of them because of the Taylor Swift things. And we're talking more about that and Kelsey than we are them actually on the field. But yeah, this team is not discussed at all as a reigning champ. I mean, this is pretty literally what Bill always talks about of how Le- like Derek Rose won an MVP because we were bored of LeBron. Wasn't that basically more or less where Mahomes is where it's like, yeah, you've had seven seasons of being in or six seasons for Mahomes, LeBron being an all-time great on this team. And obviously Le- Mahomes had more help in his career than LeBron did. But then like, yeah, just we're bored. And they, what are we going to do? Keep talking about like the bar that Mahomes has is so high that for Mahomes to do something to get attention, he has to go so high. Stephen Rees pointed out last season at one point, Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdown passes in like week six last year and did not get a uh, highlight package from the NFL's YouTube account. <laughs> like they made like eight videos and he was not one of them. He threw five touchdowns. And we're like, we're so bored with this guy. Uh, but you're right though, because I was thinking about like last week we were like, oh, Josh Allen, Mahomes, this is like Manning Brady. And I said that I was wrong. Mahomes is Manning and Brady. Like, it, like Mahomes is. The, the Manning Brady thing was like Manning had all the stats, all the regular season wins. Like he was like the inevitable in the fourth quarter. He had the MVPs, the stats. Brady was inevitable in the playoffs. Mahomes is both. Mahomes has 5,000 yards, two 5,000 yard seasons like Manning did. Mahomes has 50 touchdown passes. Mahomes has like the MVPs like Manning did. Mahomes, but he's also inevitable in the playoffs. He's never not made the AFC championship game. He's never, he, he's never made, not made it. I'm looking at the Chiefs like history over the last seven or eight years or whatever it is. I I feel like I still just it hasn't clicked for me yet that Mahomes has been in three of the last four Super Bowls. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's just there every year. I think we have to like really sit down and, and recognize that Patrick Mahomes is probably the best quarterback ever. Dude, I think that's the thing. <laughs> He'll never win the GOAT argument. Like the it, it really is already like Jordan LeBron. It will never Mahomes will never be the greatest quarterback ever in the GOAT thing because he lost to Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. So even if Mahomes actually won eight Super Bowls, it's like if Michael Jordan on the Wizards beat LeBron James in the finals, like there would be no LeBron argument. But Mahomes is like pretty comfortable. Like if if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, it literally will be Brady, Montana, and Mahomes. Like that's the top, like Brady gets his own tier. Joe Montana and Mahomes get the next tier. It's not even close because if Mahomes wins this weekend, he will pass John Elway for the second most Super Bowl appearances. Mahomes is 28 years old. It'll be Tom Brady and then Patrick Mahomes in Super Bowl appearances. And then third will be John Elway and he's 28. He could play for 12 more years. I also think the gap between him and the next best quarterback is bigger than it's been at the quarterback position in the NFL in a long time. Like even when there was Brady, there was always Manning. I I don't think number two is even close to Patrick Mahomes right now. No, it's because he just keeps beating everyone. It's kind of like how Tom Brady won more Super Bowls in his 40s than Peyton Manning won total. You know what I mean? It's like Peyton Manning split Brady's career up into like two different decades. (laughs) Brady in his 20s, 30s, and 40s would each be a Hall of Famer. It's like Peyton Manning retired and then Tom Brady kept winning. It's like he just left everyone in the dust. Like, you know, when Brady was first coming out, it was like Brady or Carson Palmer. And it was like, (laughs) he's like, yeah. But 
we don't, it's honestly like, I want to find where the LeBron James, we are all witnesses banner. And we just got to put Mahomes on it. Cause like, we kind of keep forgetting, like, this is, he's our Joe Montana. Like this, like it, it, at least the first trilogy, Tom Brady won. It was like, how much credit does he deserve? But Mahomes is, is like if Peyton Manning had just done everything Tom Brady did and you combined what they were doing the first six seasons, that's what they've accomplished. So with that said, I mean, we should probably talk about the Ravens a little bit because they're favored to beat Patrick Mahomes by three and a half <laughs> points in this game. But, All that said, <laughs> this is good plot development here. But yeah, it, yeah it's a good way in because like, we, you know, we talked about this. I, my, If I had a playoff manifesto, there's one rule on it and it's, it's what's going to make you feel less like an idiot the next morning uh, in terms of who you're going to pick or bet on. And it's why we decided to go with CJ Stroud last second over... Joe Flacco and the Browns because we were like, look, I don't care. I don't care. Like, if I wake up the next morning and I'm like, I bet on Joe Flacco, I'm going to feel like a fucking idiot. And I think this is the hardest uh, mm. test for that theory yeah. because three and a half points for Mahomes feels like, the second I saw that, I was like, I'm, I'm hammering that. And that line is held. It's still three and a half. Mahomes as an underdog in his career, he's played 10 games as an underdog in his career. He's won seven of them. So he hasn't just covered, he's won. And seven of 10 games is a dog. Also, did you see the stat that Mahomes is like, I think, uh, sorry, I think it's down in the fourth quarter in the playoffs. I, I forget the exact, uh, down a touchdown in the fourth quarter. He's eight and two. The rest of the league's like one and nine or something. Yeah. So it's like, I, yeah. I, you, you can also say that like, you know, Mahomes has gone up against, uh, you know, two beat up mediocre defenses. Um, now they're going up against Baltimore, who is clear, it, probably the best team in the league right now overall. Um I don't know. I, I, I have a much clearer thought about the Niners game than I do about this game. DK, what would make you feel dumber? Like Mahomes, like saying the Chiefs will win and then watching Mahomes completely struggle to complete a pass to any of his receivers or picking the Ravens and then watching Mahomes just make the Super Bowl again? <laughs> I don't, I think picking, this is so hard because Craig is totally right. Like you, there was like a, such an easy logic uh, with the Shroud versus the Browns thing. This one's much less logical. You know, I don't know why, Craig, you said, oh, they're maybe one of the best teams in the league this year. No, they're maybe one of the best teams ever, the Ravens are. Like, if you look at, okay, DVOA, first of all, the Ravens with with weighted DVOA, which waits more for like the late part of the season than the early part of the season, weighted DVOA, this is the best team that's ever gone through the divisional round. Like, this is what? the greatest. This is the best team per DVOA that's ever made the conference championships. For the record, DVOA goes back to like 1980. It's like the 70s, yeah. Um, they That's have wild. a 55% weighted DVOA. That doesn't mean anything, but no team has been over 50 ever at this point in the season. Um, and if you look at the the history of these teams, it's like the 85 Bears, like the 96 uh, Packers. Um, so obviously there's like some really ridiculously good teams here. The 89 49ers, the 2007 Packer, uh, Patriots. The teams um, match the eye test. Like the stats yeah, pulling like up all like the greatest, teams. Like some of the all-time teams are on this list. Um, and... You know, obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean anything when you're going up against Mahomes because it's a real analytics versus vibes. Yeah, totally. Conversation. It's, here. it's like it's like, oh, okay. So who's gonna win? The greatest team maybe ever, or, or Mahomes, Mahomes, who is who is absolutely inevitable. You know what it's I mean? A, it's a real like trying to talk sports with your dad, where it's like, no, dad, <laughs> uh, you don't understand. Like the Ravens defense, what they're doing, and Lamar offensively, and all, everything. They're they're healthy, and, and the dad's like, yeah, I'm not betting against Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> and he might be right. I don't know. He might be right. <laughs> DK, I, I really you, don't know out. where to go. 
shout out Michael Jr. who covers football and it's Michael's son and he played football in Notre Dame and, he, and he's really good on football. And we, I talked to him a lot about candy bars because he tries candy bars at gas stations. He's the man. But <laughs> I texted bit. you a tweet he had. Dickie, will you read this tweet? Because I don't know if you read it or not, but I thought this was genuinely like hilarious. He put okay, it all so out. So yeah, this is from NFL Research. The 23 Ravens, so this team, um, the 85 Bears and the 72 Dolphins are the only teams in the Super Bowl era to score 25 plus points per game while leading the NFL in rush offense and scoring offense, scoring defense, sorry. So so you ran for the most rushing yards, you allowed the fewest points, and you scored over 25 points per game. Three teams, the 85 Bears, who are like, the everyone talks about the 85 Bears because they were just legendary. The 72 Dolphins, the only team to go wire to wire, undefeated. And then the, this Ravens team. That's crazy. And... To keep that going, it's not like the Ravens are playing shitty teams. No. They've played 11 teams this year with a winning record. They have seven wins against 2023 playoff teams this year. They have seven wins against teams that made the playoffs this year. Craig, this, this is the other stat. The 23 Ravens, so this year's Ravens, and the 07 Patriots, who almost went undefeated. Only teams in NFL history with a plus 100 point differential versus playoff teams in a season. So that means they beat the, the playoff teams that they've beat by 100 combined points. They and beat that's them the Dolphins, and the Patriots. They beat the Dolphins 56 to 19. They beat the Niners 33 to 19. They beat the Seahawks 37 to 3. I know they didn't make the playoffs. They beat the Browns 28 to 3. Uh, they beat the Rams in OT. They beat the Texans in week one. This is why they're so high on DVOA, by the way. Uh, DVOA, like, when you, uh, there's, like, blowouts in the NFL are actually, like, relatively rare like I, you have to be really good to like completely blow out a team i think most of the time think about it this way week one the ravens beat the texans 25 to 9 and i get that cj shows week you know by the end of the season cj shows playing way, way better last week in the playoffs they they allowed the texans score three points they got a punt return that was their touchdown like the, the stroud we saw that broke the record for touchdown passes by a rookie in a playoff game at halftime three points they couldn't do anything and then you look, what if the ravens play the lions in the super bowl the Lions scored six points against the Ravens. They lost 38 to six to the Ravens. Like, so I, <laughs> you're right, DK, that we speak. We don't talk about the Chiefs as the defending champs. Craig, you're totally right. We do not talk about the Ravens because they, they lost a couple weird games in the beginning of the season. Uh, and so we didn't talk, give them that. Oh, they're nine and oh, they're really good. But the Ravens are as good as like a lot of other teams that started 11 and oh. They're just like, they have so many ways to grind you down and beat you. Like, they really good on offense. They have like a, a quarterback that can like completely change the complexion of a play because he can not only win early in the down in the structure of the play, but if you do everything right as a defense, he can still make you pay. And it's absolutely demoralizing. Uh, and then they have a great defense that's very forward thinking, like on the cutting edge with a lot of the stuff they do to confuse opposing offenses. And then they have good special teams. Can I explain best, the one defense? of the best kickers ever? So Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens. I think it's hard to explain how good the Ravens defense is. Can I try? I wanted like to, I think, you Let's know when it. you, um, you know, when you buy, buy hot dogs and there's like 10 hot dogs, but yep. then there, you also buy the buns and there's only eight buns. Okay. And it's not as many. <laughs> so you go home and you cook and you're like, all right. And then like, you got these like two extra buns. You're like, what am I? I have two buns, no hot dogs. And you kind I of thought it was, like, two, it was two extra. Wait, it's two extra hot dogs or two extra buns. I think the buns are in eight and the dogs are in 10. Or is it the so other two, two extra, two extra dogs. dogs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Is it? Oh, yeah. You have two extra dogs. Well, so okay. you have to buy two things of buns. Mm-hmm. Well, you got like four extra buns. You're like, oh, my God. Or the two extra dogs. Six Whatever. extra buns. I'm already confused with that. All right, fine. You have two extra hot dogs, right? Okay. It's kind of awkward. Like a hot dog without a bun. Like that just looks wrong, right? It looks mm-hmm. weird. 
Yeah, you're not going to That's see how that. the Ravens play defense. Like, they literally, like, the Ravens play defense like the Buns and Dogs. Because you're like, the Buns Dogs, you're like, they're doing this on purpose, aren't they? Like, they're just, they want you to, that's the Ravens. So, the offensive line, uh, the offensive line, those are the hot dogs, right? You got five right. hot dogs. Okay. I can, I can visualize this. Let's call them bratwurst. Well, they don't. Okay. Just because they're a little <laughs> I kind of want to call them hot dogs. Thicker. Okay, we'll go hot dogs, yeah. The Texans' offensive line are hot dogs. The defense of the buns. The Ravens' defense steps up. They got six line, six buns on the on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And the Texans' offense, it's like, oh my god, we don't have enough hot dogs. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> it's a disaster. So they're like, hey, running back, CJ Stroud's like, hey, Devin Singletary, you have to stand a block because we got five linemen. You need to be the sixth hot dog because they got all these buns. And we're like, all right. So then <laughs> the the ball is snapped, six on six. The Ravens don't send six; they send four. They drop, but they don't send the four you expect. They send like three defensive linemen and like a safety, but they're not even being normal about it. They're like, it's like a bra instead of hot dog. It's like the safety is like running a basketball pick. The safety is like setting a pick on the left tackle and the defensive end is cutting, who's Jadavion Clowney is cutting in. Now you have Jadavion Clowney on a running back, Jadavion Clowney on Devin Singletary. Guess what? The greatest college football highlight of the 21st century is Jadavion Clowney on a running back. (laughs) So the quarterback gets sacked and you watch the play and you're like, I don't get it. It was four on six. Two offensive linemen didn't even do anything. How did the quarterback get sacked? And you're like, damn, I got two extra hot dogs. Like, how did these I have off- two hot these dogs? These offenses are like, how, how am I supposed to barbecue with these Dude, kind yeah. of numbers? And like, how I am think I supposed to plan a freaking some- barbecue? But hey, it's like, and then Collinsworth is like, oh, Mike, I know it looks like a mistake, but they planned it that way. And it's like, they, they, they the hot dog bun people, they're working together. Because the okay. quarterback <laughs> drops back and he's like, Jadavian Clowney's in his face and he looks downfield. What does CJ Stroud see downfield? Four guys went out for a route, seven defenders. He sees four buns so and seven buns. hot dogs. Well, and he's, he's looking at receivers' legs. Why? And he's like, are those legs or hot dogs? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like legs. But I'm just going to be watching this game and thinking about hot dogs and buns. It's just hot dogs and buns. And you're like, oh my God, we got seven on four out there. This is a disaster. The numbers don't match up. You look, you, Hyvis, you, you landed that plane you did. But you, you landed it in the Hudson like Sully. Like it wasn't a clean <laughs> landing, but you landed it. There the were no soul, casualties. Every, all the souls are alive, on the, but the, yeah. plane is, like, the plane's gone. It's, it's the, like the plane is a loss. I'm Denzel yeah. Washington. I'm like, I did a great job. And they're like, we think you were drunk and high. And it was all high? your fault. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody could have done that but you, but you were still drunk and high. <laughs> no one needed. <laughs> and no it does, needed, like yeah. the visual works for me though. The but I do, the hot I do mean it in that, that is the way the Ravens win because uh, there's all this schematic stuff they do that obviously I'm oversimplifying. But the point is, it's just a numbers game. When the Ra- when the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, what were we talking about? Four defensive linemen versus five-man rush or five offensive linemen. When four beat five and you have more people in coverage, you win. The Ravens are beating four on six. The Ravens are manipulating very intelligently with X's and O's reasons that are, I barely even understand myself. The Ravens are using four to beat six. And if four beat six blocker four rushers beat six blockers that means you have seven people in coverage for four receivers yeah the offense cannot win and that is how you get the ravens defense being the best since either the legion of boom and seahawks or the 2000 ravens or the 85 bears that's got to be so infuriating for an offense my god well see it's for all these reasons where i'm like i'm very hesitant to bet on the chiefs here also they're uh speaking of like the line discrepancy the joe tooney the the, the chiefs guard might not play. And 
Um, so I don't communication. know. I, we don't think about that. We're like, is that guy good? We don't think about it's five people who are good at talking. So you can't rotate linemen. It's they're good at talking to each other. It's like literally everything is telling me that I should bet on the Ravens. And then I look over and I see Patrick Mahomes and I'm like, do I just throw all everything, all the hot dogs and the buns? I just throw them all in the trash and I bet on Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. <laughs> You're a hamburger guy. I think I'm going to lean Baltimore. I, I do. And they're home. Yeah. I'm taking Baltimore. I'll actually be covering this game. I'll be credentialed. So actually, if you look at my Instagram oh, story, cool. or the Ringer NFL Instagram, I'll actually be there. Well, I didn't know that. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm just going to try to find Taylor Swift's suite. I don't know if I'll Instagram about the game. Just take your shirt off. Find. And like, sure, like yeah. Jason Kelsey, just they'll find you. Jason Kelsey. Sure, I'm they're just letting anybody in there. Yeah. <laughs> the security guards outside that suite, when he climbed back in, they're like, I, I guess he's allowed to do that. Uh, DK, who are you picking? I'm picking the Ravens. So is Craig. Okay, if you guys are both doing it, I feel like we can't go all three. I'm going to pick inevitability. Yeah. Inevitability. The What's the Matrix line? That Neil, that's what you hear. The sound of inevitability. I maybe, thought it was, maybe whoa, that's not it. we're in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like fucked up the quote anyway, so it doesn't matter. Craig, you're, you're probably just as close as I was there. Whoa. The Matrix is crazy. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. Yeah. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember the. Uh, I'm dying over this tweet I saw like three years ago. Uh, we did a word a tweet, for that. There's a tweet. Of, uh, it's just like saying like a, a, a guy at dinner pretending he's read a, a guy on a first date at dinner pretending he's re, like he's like a well-read person, and Catcher <laughs> in the Rye pops up and it's just him going. I love how he just clenches his fist, catches all that fucking rye. <laughs> Please uh, email us at riggerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Anything like that, but also just what Craig just said, random tweets you just think about, Instagram memes, whatever you just think about, and they just make you laugh. The way he just catches all that ride. <laughs> Movie quotes that are wrong, anything, just email us. Dude, the, yeah. my favorite, the Stephen A. Smith, someone tweeted, this is 50 years ago, but it was just like Stephen A. Smith voice, and it was like, Crab Rangoon. Now that's just preposterous. <laughs> and things of that nature. Things of that nature. Crab Rangoon. Things of that nature. Anyway. All right. Pick the Ravens. That's a sentence, Gorgami. No one's ever said what I just said. Uh, <laughs> crab crab <laughs> Rangoon. All right. Oh, we're in the Matrix. Crab Rangoon. All right. Ravens. That's who we're picking. All right. Next up, we have the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are a touchdown favorite. The betting market score prediction is that the Niners will beat the Lions 28 to 21. This is pretty easily the biggest game in Lions history. The Lions have never been to a Super Bowl. The last time the Lions were even a game away from, or the last time the Lions had even won a playoff game, they had one player who had been born. It was their long snapper. So, Craig, what is the, uh, what's the, the sphincter scale for the Detroit Lions in this game? I think it's high, but it's, it's, it's because it's a, I don't necessarily think if they lose again, just like last week, like if they lose, it's not like their season was a disappointment. It's still a massive feat for this franchise and they're on the right path. But you know when you're so excited that you have diarrhea? That, that, <laughs> what? That's, no, that's what, I don't. You never had that where you're like, you're like so excited for something. You're kind of nervous, excited. You have an upset stomach. You have the butterflies. The nervous, kind of, nervous shits are a thing for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, never in my life. Is you never heard of nervous shits? Nervous yeah, like the like the the tension before a game, and you're just like, oh, I got, I feel like I got to take a shit. Sometimes what? that happens, but I, the diarrhea, be, nervous shits being diarrhea is that synonymous? I don't know if it's like actual diarrhea. It's just like nervous. 
It's probably Craig just drinking kombucha and all the, in his pro prebiotics. All Look, the time. when you have nervous shits, it's it's often not the most like regular. Well, it's not like you're just yeah doing your normal constitutional like, daily constitutional. Email us yeah. if you know if you know about nervous shits. I feel very very confident that this is like a really it's a common thing. one. It's a thing like, for Bill sure. Bill Hader before, used to like, throw up before every SNL. Like yeah, he was Josh so Allen throws up before every game. Yeah, so the reason why I'm putting this at a seven and a half on the sphincter scale, not because like the <laughs> pressure on this team if they lose is so high, but it's like, it's this weird level of like, oh my God, we can actually like see the Super Bowl and smell it and, and now. And it's so close. And that might actually make everybody tense up and, yes. and, and play terribly. That's but not because of the pressure, but because of the excitement. Well, so there is something that your body knows what's happening. Like you're going to run a race. And marathoners talk about this. Like, like that, I guess that I always thought about more as like the, there's a nervous pee, but like there is also marathon because your body does know like, oh, I got to do this. And like, let's get, but do you think that's the advantage Tom Brady had when he's like, yeah, you just have some advantages playing the Super Bowl, but it's like everyone has to take a shit except Tom Brady right yeah. before the game. And that's the advantage. I hundred percent believe that. And that's yes. why we have, we have Goff and Purdy. I mean, both of them, Purdy didn't really play in that Eagles game because he got hurt last year. And it's like Goff is, has played in a Super Bowl, um, but in a different circumstance. So it's like, I don't know. I'm not sure who you feel more confident in right now, throwing the football. Also, you know, that the famous Patriots quote, the Patriots, when they played the Rams in the Super Bowl, there was a quote that was kind of relayed through. I want to say Mike Giardi. I could be wrong. Don't, but some a reporter basically relayed that, a defender had told him, I believe, that they were going to make Goff blank himself. Oh, wow. Uh, and <laughs> the, so yeah, I mean, there's something to that. I, I didn't realize that, you know, that they Nervous actually meant shits, that. man. It just, yeah, it's like it, if you have, you feel like you're, you should do it before the game because you don't want to be stuck in the middle of the game and having to do that. And then you just like, it's just a vicious cycle, you know? DK, who do you think, what, Obviously, the Niners are favorite. I'm curious what you think, because the Niners and Lions, they're so similar. Seven-point favorites, the Niners. Seven-point seven favorites for the Niners. It's weird, because the Niners are kind of like the older Lions. Like, you have, like, a great tight end, like George Kittle, Sam Laporte, who's like an actual, like, can block, can receive. You have McCaffrey, the Niners. I mean, both these teams really invested, too, in positions you don't usually invest in. It seems mm -hmm. like it's a bad idea, like, with air quotes. McCaffrey, for the Niners, they spent all this money and, like, traded for him. The Lions took Jameer Gibbs with the 12th pick. They, people thought that was dumb. The Lions took a first-round linebacker. People, you don't do that anymore. The Niners pay Fred Warner, like, the most money in the league to be a linebacker. It's all these things you're not supposed to do. Meanwhile, here they are, and I'm curious, uh, TK, if you think that's too simplistic or you actually think that, like, the Lions, also Ben Johnson, Kyle Shannon being the two really great play callers, uh, if there's kind of like a Dr. Evil Austin Powers, like we're not so different, you and I, even though <laughs> one team's like the greatest franchise in NFL history after the Patriots and Steelers or Packers, whatever. And then the other is the Detroit Lions. Right. No, I definitely think there's some very interesting parallels there, um, especially like you were saying in the way that they sort of invest in positions that teams aren't quote unquote supposed to invest in, or that's not necessarily the, um, you know, the analytically right way to do it based on like the way that salary cap is set up and the way that positions are paid. Um, but yeah, I mean this, I don't know. I don't know what to go do with this team because I feel like last week the 49ers looked really human. You know what I mean? Like for the, for almost the entire season, I'm like, this team is going to fuck you up. This is a juggernaut. This team is just absolutely, you know, like I could think I called them a bandsaw for most of the season. They're just, just a buzzsaw. Buzzsaw. That's right. Either one. I mean, both are scary. Is a band? Honest. Is there also a band? I've, I've never heard of a bandsaw. Well, now I'm trying to picture what a bandsaw is. It's a hacksaw. Oh, there's a bandsaw. Any kind of saw. I no, mean, all saws can fuck you up. Let's be honest. Actually, what is a buzzsaw? Now that I think about it. I what? don't know. That's oh, actually a great point. Oh, it's the one you think of when you think of a serial killer having a buzzsaw. 
That's a oh, okay. like a weird okay. like the real it's skinny like a, boy. It's kind of like a chainsaw, but it's just a circle. Yeah. Anyway, that is pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, a buzzsaw is scary. Dude, that's pretty nuts. Is, is, when we yeah, say don't, buzzsaw, I don't want to run into a buzzsaw. Well, I feel like a buzzsaw. Wow, the buzzsaw is like usually the machine in the, in like the horror film where yeah. like you're like stuck to the track, moving closer slowly right. towards the buzzsaw. Yeah, right. isn't Mahomes the buzzsaw? No. To me, a buzzsaw seems like a defense. I feel like a defense has to be a buzzsaw. I don't mm. know. Yeah. Anyway. The Ravens uh, are buzzsaw. What kind of saw is the Niners, DK? No, I think really more uh, the 49ers are like the the old school Bruce Campbell arm chainsaw from the Evil Dead trilogy. I have or, not seen or, those. The series. Uh, yeah, anyways, that's really old school. But um, anyways, they're one kind of saw. They, they chop you up. I, I really, like for the longest time, I was just like, man, the 49ers... They're just, they just look so unbeatable in so many different ways. But last, this last game, I don't know. Like, they just looked really, really human. They, they did not look like themselves. So I don't know what to think about this freaking 49ers How much are we team. willing to give credit to the fact that it was raining? I actually think that this is why I'm picking the Niners. I think there's not, like, I, I think that people are freaked out by the Brock Purdy game. I... I I actually think Craig has once again just kind of stumbled ass backward into what could be a defining story of the season, which is the Niners might win the Super Bowl <laughs> Good job, and everyone like just doubted them because you couldn't see the rain during Niners Packers. And if you could see <laughs> the rain during the game, no one would have been like, Brock Purdy sucks. It's like, wow, it's raining. They should build a dome. I can't believe Jordan Love completed a pass. It's like, but you can't see the rain. So it was like, this guy sucks. But like, if you were there getting rained on, you weren't like, wow, I can't, it's inconceivable. You can't throw in these circumstances. And I just think that now that not, it's, unless it's going to rain on Sunday. It's not. I it's supposed be, to be 73 and sunny. I Damn think it. the Niners are going to look perfectly <laughs> fine, man. And I think we're going to go back to Kyle Shanahan being like, hey, who's your worst defender? I'm going to put on a package of personnel that means you have to put him on the field. And I'm going to just run some weird plays so that he has to freaking cover and tackle every time. And I'm like, Alex Anzalone, I don't, you know, the dude is like the long blonde hair. And I'm like, is he going to be good on Kittle? How's that going to go? I don't know. The Lions secondary kind of sucks, man. They're going to have to deal with Brandon Ayuk and Debo every time. And that's where I'm like, I'm going to go with the Niners. I'll feel really dumb if I pick against them and they win. I think I agree. I Even if you, if you look at the four defenses in this championship weekend, the Ravens, Chiefs, and Niners are ranked first, second, and third in terms of points allowed per game this season. And the Lions are 23rd. And Purdy, although he didn't play great, won in a game-winning drive while losing in the fourth quarter, which is like incredibly impressive, especially considering the rain. I mean, people in California can't even drive when it's raining, let alone play quarterback. So <laughs> it was like the first time that Shanahan had to come back in the fourth quarter, too. Yeah, they had no oh, Samuel, the, that whole game, basically, too. So uh, I think I agree with you, Ivan. I feel much more confident. And look, I, it sucks because once again, I'm betting against the best storyline. Like I'm betting against the team of destiny in the Lions. <laughs> yet I, I do think the Niners are much better than the Lions. We talk about media bias. Yeah. Let's be real. I want the Detroit Lions to win. That'd be more fun. <laughs> I'm I'm picking the Niners, but like the Lions are like we see the Niners. We see Shannon. We see like also 60 years we've seen the the Niners. Like they're they're the Niners. I, the Detroit fans just deserve it more. I mean, look at the, the that game. They stayed out. They were <laughs> the loudest. Punt. I've never heard crowds on a punt. You guys ever heard crowds on a punt? No, I don't think so. I think about it. Yeah, no. I, I, they were so loud. I, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I you were definitely just, very. You said that you said that on the last pod, and I didn't know what you were talking about. Said so the crowd the, on the punt. I was like the what? Lions during the Bucks game. <laughs> the Lions. They must have been showing something on the jumbotron, but like the the Lions fans when they were trying to the Lions were trying to block a punt, so that when the Bucks were punting, 
the Lions fans were maybe, and again, you know, where the TV crew puts the microphones matters a lot for this, but I think that the Lions were la- fans were louder on any telecast I've ever heard for a football game in my entire life, and I mean that, on punts. Like, not just only on punt plays. I mean, I've never heard any crowd ever on a punt before the play. And the Lions, gate that, that state crowd was the loudest crowd I've ever heard on telecast. I wonder how they'll travel to San Francisco. I know, that's the thing. The Lions have been home for the last two games. And look, they, they, they beat a terrible Eagles secondary. They beat, you know, a fine Buccaneers team. I mean, sorry, the, the, the Lions beat, uh, uh, you know, a, a solid Rams team. I'm not sure they should have won that game, but it was very close. And then they beat a mediocre uh, Bucks team. You know that the, the Lions defense has been, over the last five games, the Lions have allowed over 300 passing yards and multiple touchdown passes in all five games, which has never happened in league history. Wow. <laughs> what? Say that again? That's crazy. <laughs> five straight games allowing over 300 passing yards and multiple touchdown passes. No team in league history has ever allowed that. Never who made the playoffs or just period? Period. What wow. F- that's we're getting right. yeah, we're the Niners. the air. <laughs> Look at the Niners. <laughs> just I mean, yeah, up. like the, the very obvious and logical pick is to take the Niners. But even with the seven points, it's like but the it was Occam's also logical to like, take them over Green Bay. And then even it poured more. rain and you couldn't see the rain. They won. It's, they won the game. I know. It's, is it I, weird though that Jordan Love looked pretty good for the whole game in the rain and Brock Purdy yes. didn't? Yes. I would say no because... The, that is like an advantage you get with a weird toolsy quarterback you draft like Jordan Love. Like, you remember the wind game, which is another thing you can't see. What's up with that? But like the Bills and Patriots in the wind game, it's like 40 mile where's hour winds. Wind, where's wind come from, by Dude, the way? actually though, like a gust of <laughs> it's wind. It's like traffic. Like, where does it start? <laughs> I don't know. It's like a gust of wind. I, like, when that, I know pressure, whatever. Does the, how long the does waves. a gust of wind last? Like, if I feel a gust of wind, how long does the gust go? Does it go a city block? Does it go a mile? Does it go 10 feet? Like, I have no concept of this. It's, just, it's yeah, all it's, good questions. We need to get a guest on the show. Wind expert. Dust, Let's get a meteorologist. In the wind. Email us at ringerfantasyfootball.gmail.com if you know how long a gust of wind lasts. Anyway, the same way that wind game, Mac Jones threw three passes. Josh Allen wasn't great, but he could throw in the game because Josh Allen pretty effortlessly can throw the ball harder. It literally cuts through the wind. And like the same way, Jordan Love's just a stronger, like his ball is just better. Like he just can throw harder. It's cutting through the rain. Purdy's hand's smaller. He's worse grip and he doesn't have his arm strength. It's like, it's he doesn't have as much control over the ball, which doesn't really matter if it's perfect conditions. The advantage is you could do it imperfectly. And that's what, whether it's off your back foot, a guy hitting you, whatever, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jordan Love can do stuff in, in imperfect situations. I think that's an honestly a great point. I never even thought about that. And I don't, I wonder if people would push back on what you just said about, but I actually really believe that, that like if you if you're, have a stronger arm, you can throw it through the wind and rain easier. If you have bigger hands, you can control, you know, you can hold on to the football better when it's raining. I, I actually think all of those points. You know, this is, this is something that has been like, GMs have been all over this for, oh, for a long time. Oh, is that a thing? Time. Yeah. Okay. No, like no, no. I, I'm the first. No, no. I'm the first on person. It, I, think. <laughs> I, I, I still remember uh, at one point, John Schneider was talking about when they signed uh, Charlie Whitehurst. They, or they traded for Charlie Whitehurst back in the day. He was talking about. Okay, never mind. I'm off. He was talking about watching Charlie Whitehurst like throw in the wind. It's also why they drafted Josh Allen and we all made fun of it. But uh, like, 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Can we all just say that? I don't think I don't think this is the common thought, but I feel really strongly that windy is the worst type of weather. I it's well, worse than rain. No, snow is the worst. I don't know. Snow is magical. There's nothing magical about strong winds. A, like, I just, well, an I, extremely just, gusty day like ruins everything. I don't like wind at all, Craig. But you can send your kids to daycare when it's windy. I'm I'm coming off of a week of snow hell. 
Where in terms I, of I like was trying to work full time and watch Calvin the yeah. whole day. <laughs> that's why, by the way, in case you were wondering, that's why Calvin came on the podcast the other day is because I had Calvin home with me because the place where I live has no infrastructure to deal with snow and everything. The town closed down for like three days. So Calvin was home with me while I was trying to work. And it was it was terrible. I mean, I love my son, but I love my son, but I mean, I love hanging out with them, but not while I'm trying to work. It's a great example of Craig and I are almost 30 years old, but sometimes we just talk about stuff abstractly like, what do you like better, snow or wind? And DK is just like, well, one affects my life and whether my kid could go to school and one doesn't. And we're like, in oh, the yeah. abstract, wind is the worst weather pattern. Yes, 100%. 100% like in a vacuum, I would rather play and hang out in the snow than be out in the wind. The wind sucks. But logistically, the wind is better. It snowed in DC the other day and it's like well, the perfect snowball snow. range. Dude, I could just like put like, you know, pack horizontally, pack vertically and then a little shape and I just have perfect snowball. It's so satisfying when you get the yeah. right kind of snow. That is cool. Well, I'll, I'll be seeing a lot of snow on the Rewatchables tour, which I'm embarking on in about four days. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Craig's Ch coming to Ch like Chicago, D.C., Philly, New York. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're coming to 10 minutes from my apartment and uh, I'm going to be in Mobile, Alabama with right. DK and you're coming to D.C. <laughs> Speaking of which, Jackie's also on a work trip. Will you watch my cat or feed it? Can I just, uh, you know, what we should do is I, Mal is coming on this tour. We should just give the cat to Mal. Mal can take care of it. <laughs> Mal just takes care of it. Yeah. Well, I've got. You're never uh, getting that cat back. No, no, that's a good point. All right. So I'm picking the Niners to the spread. Craig, you're picking the Niners to the spread. DK? Fuck it. I'll take the Lions. I, I 100% I'm picking the 49ers, but like, I feel like if we all agree on something, it's bad. So I'm going to take the. We should do that where Lions. we put up the graphic where someone like always took the person, but we actually just all picked the same team, but we should just have the graphics say that we, we didn't do that. So <laughs> do you guys think someone. right now, Brock Purdy or Jared Goff is better? The work, the first and the last pick in the draft who are facing each other. Jared Goff. Jared Goff looks like the first pick in the draft. Jared Goff. So, you, so right now, if you were the Niners and you could trade and have Goff start this game for you instead of Purdy, you would do it. Dude, we found out uh, this week that Kyle Shannon straight up told Brock Purdy. Yeah. You will be the starter this season if you're healthy. Unless Tom Brady wants to play for us, in which case we will sign Tom Brady. That would have just like, pissed the fair. fans off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fans would have, dude, that bartender we met Phoenix would be uh, so mad. Yeah, he would be a rate. Niners fans. That's like wild. Bill being like, Craig, look, you can continue to host the fantasy show unless we get Matthew Barry. And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> okay. I get it. All right. A uh, couple emails we'll get out of here. One, some of the Chiefs coming all the way back around here. Some um, of the Chiefs, and again, how dumb will we feel if the Chiefs cannot complete a pass? Because unlike the Bills having A.J. Klein in coverage, we have the Chiefs receivers playing the Ravens defense. Jeremy emailed us. Jeremy. Craig, on, the, on the Sunday show, I compared, the, I compared the Chiefs receivers to the Bluth children. Um, Jeremy wrote in to say, I would like to expand on that a little more. Travis Kelsey is Michael Bluth. Just looking at the family around him, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And while this is going on, his feelings for Taylor Swift, a.k.a. Marta, are always looming. <laughs> Rishi Rice is Lindsay, hot and could be a decent human or receiver, but the chaos of the family makes them uh, unproven and unreliable. Okay. <laughs> Marquez Valdez Scantling is Job, a magician that makes everything that hits his hands disappear. <laughs> Mikkel, Hard Mikkel Hardman is Buster, just a disaster with claws for hands. By the way, the name Buster Bluth is one of the all-time names for any character involved. <laughs> How is Tony, Tony not just crying in the shower? Oh, my God. Uh, I think Kadarius Tony is Buster. Yeah. Because <laughs> he only has, what, he has a hook for a hand? Yeah. 
I'm a monster. I'm a monster. <laughs> oh my god. There's a there's a great scene. This is something my buddy always says. Is you know the scene where Michael walks into the room and everyone's like just lounging on the couch. He's like, "Is there a gas leak in here or something?" <laughs> just like that's how I feel mid midway through the game. Like all the receivers aren't doing it. Is there a gas leak in here or something? Dude, yeah. Kelsey walks in, looks up at the box score, and he just sees in the jumbotron. <laughs> no one else has a cat. <laughs> this does. I don't know why, but this feels like a Tony game. He was hurt last game. Is he playing? Yeah, I don't think so. Damn. Well, hold on. Let's find inactive. out. I feel he's like the, I, th- I think he's still hurt, but let's check it before we go. We need to know. This is important. Injury, hand, hook. Back when I was in army. Uh, Chiefs <laughs> downgrade Kadarius Tony to limited today. Downgraded? He he, he's always been limited. He's been out for weeks. He's been limited since he was in Florida. He'll be out there. He'll be ready. As he's always. step up in the biggest moment. I know. He's, he's going to run guys, the wrong play, but he's still going to score a touchdown. Before we go, I have to tell you guys a plane story because this has kind of become a bit yeah, of our I've podcast. Been, been wondering. So I went to Sundance for uh, part. I work in, in the Ringer Films Department. I went to Sundance. It was very fun. I saw a lot of good movies. Um, the Will and Harper and Superman, both great movies. Um, on my flight there from, from LA to Salt Lake City, I sit down in my seat. I'm in the back of the plane. I'm in an aisle seat. A woman comes up. She's holding a bunch of stuff. It looks like she had an issue with her luggage. So she's like holding a bunch of crap in her hand. She also has a dog <laughs> on a leash with her, a little chihuahua. She sits in the middle seat next to me with, again, like a load of stuff on her lap. And the little chihuahua, she has a little crate for the chihuahua. And she goes, can you put the, the crate up in the in the storage above? And I'm like, okay, there's no room. And she goes, just shove it somewhere. And then the, the flight do- With attendant, the crate with the dog? No, the dog was not in the crate. It was an empty crate. She goes, put, put it up there. And I was like, there's not any room. She goes, just shove it somewhere. And first of all, I was like, I don't know you, but <laughs> the, the, I don't the flight, work here. The flight attendant was like, you need to put your dog in the crate. And she was like, no, I'm not doing that. He's a service dog, which it clearly was not. And the, the flight attendant was dealing with somebody else who was mad. So the flight attendant was basically like, whatever, just hold on to your dog. We sit down. The chihuahua jumps up on her lap and immediately walks over onto my lap. <laughs> and then go, and the woman goes, you don't mind, do you? And I kind of thought it meant more temporarily, right? We were on the ground still. And I was like, no, no problem. I love oh dogs. Oh my but like, God. I was like, no, that's fine. So this dog is just on my lap as we're preparing to take off. And she kind of is just like <laughs> laughing about it. The dog's name was Greta. Wait, how old and is Greta? Person? I don't know. This woman's probably 40. And Greta the Chihuahua. And she goes, oh, sorry. Like there's a luggage issue. So I have to like carry all my stuff. And I'm like, okay. And this dog is on my lap and she starts feeding it Lunchables. Oh no. What? She opens a pack of Lunchables. Like, you know, like school She's lunch, feeding Lunchables. the dog on your lap? The dog is on my lap as she's feeding it <laughs> Lunchables ham and cheese as oh as well. As she, and she, not only cheese is she feeding the dog. To a dog? Uh, I think she gave it ham and cheese, maybe just ham. She was also eating the ham and cheese herself. They were splitting the Lunchables. Mm. We 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 the, the 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 plane starts to move. We take off, and and as we're like starting to take off, the dog just kind of continues to nestle into my lap, and she goes, "Oh, he likes she likes you," and I'm like, "Ha ha!" Plane takes off. The dog remains on my lap. I look over at the woman. <laughs> She's fast asleep. Oh my God. Sleeps the entire flight. And I have this dog on my lap as I'm trying to watch a documentary on my phone. And this dog laid on me for two and a half hours. And <laughs> she woke up as the plane was coming down. She takes the dog and she's like, thank you. And then leaves. <laughs> 
Some people have truly no shame, Craig. Like no shame. I think I think we're reaching a point of comfortability with people's dogs that is out of control. And I love dogs. I adore dogs. But like, I don't know. I'm like out in public now and like a dog will like run up to me and like take the ice cream off my cone. And the owner's like, oh, that's just uh-huh. Charlie. Isn't he cute? And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Buy me more ice cream. Control your children. <laughs> I got off the plane and this guy next to me was like, dude, I was watching that the entire time. I could not believe what just happened. That is wild. I, I've had this theory for a long, it's not really even a theory. It's just like, the fact that, but like you can tell so much about a person by the way they get on a plane. Like oh. you can tell, you can tell their entire character. You can sum up an entire person's life by the way they board a plane. Interesting. Number one, do they have 12 things in their hands as they're trying to board a plane? Or do that, they have you immediately know what their home looks like? Or do they, they have, have things, things like a fucking sane person in a backpack? Number two, when do they get in line to go to the plane? When do they arrive at the plane? That's that's actually before you get on. Uh, do they ask you to move? And like, are they how shameless are they? Are they asking you to like take your spot or whatever? Um, let's see, what else is there? Give, what else is, could there be? Because there's do a million take, different things. Do they take their shoes off once they sit oh, down? Oh God, yeah. Do they lean back? Do they do they bring in? Like a, like a cheesecake factory burger and fries from the terminal and eat it on the plane during takeoff. What are they wearing? Are they wearing normal clothes like a normal person? Or are they in sweats? Oh, just, sweats! Just, Come on, don't don't. I'm, just, I'm not saying I'm not necessarily judging. I'm just saying it tells you a lot about a person if they just wear sweatpants to the airport. DK DK, do you miss the days like in the, in the Mad Men era when people wore suits on planes? Absolutely would not. You? I would not ever wear a suit on a plane. That's so uncomfortable. But. I wear pants to the airport. I wear like normal human jeans to an airport. I do like all the things DK just said. <laughs> also, and the second he way, said that, I, I knew where this was going. I I, I definitely you do right. all those things. A hundred percent. I mean, Not you're all, like the most shameless basically. person I've ever met. I've never been on a plane with Heifetz. I don't think I, I do a lot of those things. Heifetz is like, Stumbling and dropping his twelve different He's items, juggling He's like, AirPods. Well, no, I like, use hold this while I sit and down. I, like I use the loophole <laughs> to get no, extra stuff. While I sit down is incredible. <laughs> I get a plastic bag from Hudson News for the stuff that doesn't fit my backpack that I want. He's on. got like the so, neck roll thing around his neck while he's walking on. He's got full headphones. He's listening to music, so he can't hear any dis- directions that anyone's giving him. Yeah, like that's me, dude. He's yeah, that, way, I mean, way too many snacks. I could have, I hundred percent could have guessed that, like to a T. Like, I, I also like if I'm a tangled like, headphones that he's undoing. <laughs> yeah, sunglasses on an if airplane. If I'm like group five, I will just line up with group four, oh, and then when group God. four is done, I will go at the back of group four because they inevitably call group five while group four is almost done, and then I'm just first in line for group five. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, you can like you can you can psychoanalyze people big time just by the way they get on a plane. As soon as you said that, I was like, "That's definitely true." Because DK will not want to do anything I do. Well, I'm, I also wear my Lululemon joggers the- on the plane, and I'm like, "Why is that such a taboo?" I like you know, if I was flying with Sean Fennessy, I feel like he would judge me hardcore for that, so I'd probably wear pants. But other than that, I, I don't look. Get- I've I've worn joggers on a plane a million times. I, I have no problem with that. But I'm wearing like shoes and like a sweatshirt. You know, shoes, shoes are key. 
I will bring the fast food on an international flight. Like if I am flying to like, I think that's like when we went to Sweden and I'm flying, you know, the classic Dallas to Helsinki. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to serve on the plane. I bought a burger from McDonald's and I'm going to eat that in like six hours. Ew. No, I think think bringing your own food is fine. Here's the, the way in which you bring your food on though is different. If you have it, if you have like a fucking tray of like multiple drinks and you're trying to carry that shit onto a plane, you've got your 12 other items. You're trying to like, not slam into people's heads as you go by them. Yo, I have a story. Also, it can't be smelly. No odorous foods. You can't bring like a salmon Caesar salad on that from the <laughs> terminal. Shout out go to my friend Emma. Flight attendants, if you could microwave it in the back. My friend Emma is Emma. from Florida. Emma, Emma. And she went to Florida and she was flying home. This is during the pandemic. This is like summer of 2020. Like it's still kind of chaos. And and, oh, no, it's Thanksgiving because she's going home. And that was the thing. It was like Thanksgiving 2020. It's like, oh, what do you do? You know, no one really knew what to do or could get on the same page with their family. What do we do about Thanksgiving stuff? So she flies home. She's like wearing a mask because she's going home. Ted Cruz sits next to her because I live in Washington, <laughs> D.C. She's on this plane. No to way. Ted, was she in Ted. first class? No, I think it was a last second. Thing. He he was arguing. He I, I believe there was he was not happy to not be in first class. So he sits Checked next out. to her. Not wearing a mask on this plane. And again, this is like Thanksgiving 2020, whatever you think of masks. Everyone's going home to see their family and spend time with family. If there was ever a mask time, it's probably Thanksgiving flights in 2020. Ted Cruz is told he has to wear a mask. So he's like, all right, takes it off to eat. You're allowed to take it off to eat. Ted Cruz eats a tuna salad sandwich on a plane. (laughs) That should be illegal. All of this stuff is checking out. Tuna sandwich on this plane. And then he's done. You should not be allowed to sell fish in an airport. Yeah, that's 100%. My friend Emma is like, hey, would you mind putting your mask back on now? Because, you know, you're done eating and I'm going to see my family. And he's like, no. She's like, well, I really would prefer you put the mask on because I'm going to see my parents, my grandparents. Like, I, I, I you know, I'm, I don't want to get COVID from you, Ted Cruz. <laughs> and they kind of go back Ted and Cruz. forth. And he says... I'm sorry you're such a sad and angry young woman. Oh. And then asked the flight attendant to move his seat. And she did. I thought you were going to say that Ted Cruz ate like one popcorn kernel every 30 seconds for the entire (laughs) flight so he could technically have his mask off. But yeah, so that's what, so we call our friend Emma sad and angry young woman. That's what (laughs) (laughs) That would be a great Twitter bio. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, you can tell a lot about a person by their airplane. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, Yeah. I adopted a dog 30,000 feet in the air for two (laughs) hours. This this says a lot about you, Craig. Like you're, you're very polite young man. You know, you like go with the flow. Go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. You hold a goddamn dog for two and a half hours. I have a photo. This crazy lady sleeps next to you. You have a photo. Wait, we can put it on, on Spotify. Okay. 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 If you're on Spotify, (laughs) if you listen to the show on Spotify, we have this new feature we're checking out. If you're on an iPhone. And I have possibly two photos. Android, I'll send both. Uh, if you're on a phone, you can go right now to the show. And if you scroll back and listen, we will put the photo Craig took. You go to Spotify and look, it will be playing right now. If you look at your phone and look at the Spotify app, we will have this photo in the Spotify app. And so that's a new thing we could do now. So, uh, email story at gmail.com. Apologies too. in advance. It's not the best photo I've ever seen, but I tried. But... Perfect. Oh, let me look at this photo. Now everyone can look at the photo with us. That's what's great. 
Oh, look at the little guy. Oh my girl. God, Craig. Oh my God. Just on your tra- and look, look, you can see across. See all the stuff she has in front of her feet? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> this is definitely not like FAA approved. Like there, if you're if that plane's going down, Craig, you're never getting out of that seat. Well, I was in the aisle, so she Oh, I see, oh see, I see. She's never getting out. Um Greta is though. Me and Greta would be safe. I would take Greta with me. Just, I, I can't imagine just like the pure gall it takes to just give someone your dog for a two she and a half hour She fed the dog Lunchables on my on lap. On your lap. That's just, uh. Not, not only like is feeding your dog Lunchables one red flag. <laughs> so that, yeah, you need to bring dog food. <laughs> sharing a Lunchable. Not feeding your dog, sharing your dog Lunchables. I, I felt like I was in Kerber enthusiasm. I really did. <laughs> You, oh my God. Craig, at the end of the flight, you win $10,000 being the most polite like flight uh, participant of all time. Passenger? Yeah. That's Thank you, word. DK. That's, that's a word I was looking for, yeah. There you go. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Kai, for producing. Sorry, Carlos produced this episode. Carlos, pinch hitting here for Kai. Thank you, Jack, for help behind the scenes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Greta for being relatively chill amid clearly like a tough ownership parental situation that you're Greta, you know, a lot of chaos there. Just like Thank you, Lord. Handing someone your baby for the whole flight. Lord. <laughs> Thank you, George Michael. Oh, <laughs> nice. Little Arrested Development tie in there. Yeah. Nice. I can't believe that, Craig. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. It's crazy. Especially like the very half-hearted thank you. Like not even acknowledging. She was just like, thanks for that. And I was like, all right. Oh, I hate. So I, like, hate I think flight. I legally own this dog now. I think Greta's coming with me, ma'am. I mean, at least Greta was cool. Yeah, Greta was fine. I was nervous that she was going to pee on me because I'm like, it was, you know, it's Troll. It's like a 10 pound dog shivering the whole time. I feel bad. I'm like trying to pet it. And I'm like, please don't pee on me. <laughs> I, I thought she was, I thought she was going to pee on you. <laughs> oh my God. I, I There was a small damp, spot on my on my pants and I I'm I'm hoping I kind of tried not to think about it. I was hoping it was like like her snout it was just kind of resting on me. Mm. Yeah. I don't know though. Did you dogs um, get dogs pee when they're nervous, you know? I do. Yeah, like yeah. like like the players they get nervous. They shits get nervous. Diarrhea. They get nervous shits, yeah. Did you um, all, wow, what a beautiful circle. It all yeah, came So watching right. the documentary, did you uh did you get Wi-Fi on the plane? I I purchased and downloaded the 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 dock on my phone on on Apple. Ahead of time, I had no Wi-Fi there. I was on Delta. I had Wi-Fi back JetBlue. Mm, so you okay? So you, you watched the documentary that was downloaded. I downloaded it. Mm, cool. And so not, the airline had no say in that. Mm, nice. <laughs> he didn't want the airline to let him down. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Again, nice. he's missing the entire point. <laughs> so that's fine. Goodbye, everyone. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, one 800 522 
1-877-770-7700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.